Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Get a balanced analysis on both domestic and international topics within the framework of cross-cultural comparisons. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. The 19th Asian Games are being held in Hangzhou, East China. Squash as a sport that has been listed in the Asian Games since 1998 in Bangkok is again on the calendar of this year's event. What's special about this sport and what are the highlights of this year's game? What is a squash's growth potential in China and the world? To discuss these issues and more, I'm happy to be joined by Zina Woodridge, the president of the World Squash Federation. That's our topic. I'm Xu Qingdu. Welcome to Dialogue, uh, Ms. Zina Woodridge. We know that uh, the squash uh, was invented around 1830 in London. You know, after the 20th century, the game became popular in some countries and regions. So give us some background, you know, what are the countries and regions where squash is popular and how has uh, squash developed in those countries and regions? Well, I suppose um, if we go back, um, you know, 40 or 50 years ago, it was a very popular sport within Commonwealth nations, but now it's very universal. In fact, Europe is now the largest continent in terms of numbers of nations in membership and numbers of players. But it is very it is a very universal sport now with world champions and world number ones over the last 10, 15 years coming from all five continents, both men and women. Mm -hmm. So it is very much a universal sport and it has, you know, it, it has certainly spread across the world and is now very much growing in nations such as the USA and India, um, nations like Poland. And we hope also that we're seeing some real growth and we anticipate real growth in China, too. Yes. Uh, is it mostly professional or also for people at different ages? They can also play in their spare time. Oh, yes. It's very much um, a, a participant game. It's played for people by people of all ages and it's great fun. So from the absolute beginner and a lot of people play social squash in clubs and venues and uh, right up from, you know, from early ages, from five years old up to we've got players still playing in their 80s, well into their 80s. Wow. So it's so although we have a very well developed professional tour, it's certainly a player for a, a, a sport that um, is great fun at all levels. Mm hmm quite massive uh, in that sense. Uh, you know, we know that it's uh, quite uh, like a fast and intensive game. Uh, would you please tell us more about this game and how is it different from, say, other indoor games like badminton or like tennis? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, the rules are very much like uh, the other racket sports in terms of the players play alternate shots. But the difference is we don't have a net. So the real difference is that we're a rebound sport. So both players are on the same side of the net, in effect, in one small one small area that's about nine metres by six metres. And so in that respect, it's a, it's a little bit of a, of a cross between a racket sport and a combat sport. Although it's non-contact and non-contact yeah, non sport, you have both players on, on the same side of the net and they have to manoeuvre around each other. It's a little bit like a dance in terms of they need to uh, 
they, they need to really focus on movement. But um, in that respect, it brings a, a very different dimension to the racket sport, to the, to the set of racket sports. Yeah, different skills um, are required. <laughs> to be good at that. Yes, it is. It, it, it's, um, you know, it's not unlike, I suppose, some of the skills of badminton in, in terms of the physical, the physical attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that the movement's quite different. So it is one of those, and it is unusual in terms of, of being a rebound sport. And of course, you don't have, unlike tennis, you don't have the ball having to go and chase the ball because the ball comes back to you because it, it comes off the wall. And we have a series of different uh, level of balls from the super slow that the professionals play with to having bouncier balls mm-hmm. um, for for the recreational player to play with, which makes it very much easier. And it's a it's a slower game, but just as much fun. You once said that the squash is a game that fits modern lifestyles very well. Uh, would you please expand on it? Yeah, certainly. When it took a real growth in, in certain parts of the world in the 1970s, it was very much a sport that attracted business people and very busy people because you can play you can play it in 40 minutes and you can get a very good level of fitness in 40 minutes and it's also very social and in that respect I would say that in the modern world where people are so short of time and time is a really scarce resource then squash fits a modern lifestyle really very well because you you can get fit keep fit in 40 minutes have great fun play a game shower socialize with your with your opponent um all within perhaps an hour you know with a 40 minute 40 minute workout and it's an it's a it's a fantastic all-round workout for fitness and strength and agility as well as having tactics and the fun element Hmm, interesting you can do that all in 40 minutes yeah 40 minutes and also for your fitness uh, that sounds um i mean appealing to a lot of people obviously absolutely (laughs) yeah uh, with the COVID-19, you know, uh, I, we understand that, you know, everybody knows uh, there's a huge impact on, on basically every aspect of our life, including sports. So you were elected as the president of the World Squash Federation in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, so I wonder, you know, how do you see the status of squash? Do you think it has bounced back from the COVID? And it, are there any challenges right now? Yeah, I think like all indoor sports, squash probably was affected more as an indoor sport and the fact that you've got two players in a close proximity, it was probably affected more more than outdoor sports. But yes, I think we're very surprised and really pleased to see how quickly it has, it has bounced back, both from a player point of view, but also in terms of spectators. And I think as a result coming out of the uh, coming out of the pandemic i think we all appreciate the, our sport more um, and we don't take it for granted and certainly when when we look at some of our big uh, big events certainly the spectators have come back in big numbers and are really really appreciative of being able to see live squash again so yes it's certainly it certainly seems to be to have bounced back in terms of certainly a spectator sport and also as a player sport as a player sport here. Yeah. Uh, squash has appeared at uh, basically every Asian Games since Bangkok 1998. So we understand that you know, mixed doubles is one of the squash events in the Asian Games in Hangzhou for the first time. So are we seeing a stronger presence of squash in Asian Games? Yes, I believe so. I think um, squash has been um, a really important part of the Asian Games, for, as you say, um, you know, over 20 
in 25 years um and and i think doubles is gaining is gaining traction i think it's becoming more and more popular um it's a very strong it's very strong sport in the commonwealth games and in the pan american games and it's great to see now that it's gaining some traction in in the asian games too it's a very exciting sport a number of years ago we changed uh, the rules and the dimensions of the court for doubles to make it more exciting so we lowered the tin and we widened the the the, the court and by lowering the tin it makes the sport it makes the court feel bigger and it makes it easier to play winners so it became a more attacking game a more exciting game um shorter um harder rallies and with mixed doubles the, the dynamics between having four players on on court on a wider court and the male and female and and the alternate shots i mean it, it it's a very exciting game now and uh you know we we we're, we're hoping that if um if we if squash becomes an olympic sport that, that doubles may well be included included in it because it it, it is very exciting mhm so the doubles obviously uh, i mean uh, are more attractive than the single let's say so probably that's the reason why they are adding you know mixed doubles to the asian games um i don't think it's necessarily more exciting it's just different and i think it it gives that variety it gives that uh, mm. that contrast between the singles and the doubles they're quite different in terms of their tactics So I suppose it's a bit like tennis has singles and doubles, and badminton has singles and doubles, and it's no different for squash really. Apart from, at the moment, we we it tends to be the better singles players then also double up to play doubles. Whereas in badminton and tennis, they tend to be double specialists. But we do find that you know you could bring two top world players together to play doubles, and they can be be beaten by lower ranked players because the dynamic and the tactics are different. and a lower ranked pair could could beat a higher ranked world seeded pair simply because they're better doubles players wow, so i think that's what makes the sport quite exciting yes and also the requirement of different skills uh, that's also exciting in the squash game in hangzhou is held at the squash court of hangzhou olympic sports center this is not the first official uh, squash competition held at this venue I'm not sure whether you are familiar with this venue, but based on your understanding, how do you say about this uh, this court, this facility? It's reported that they are building a half-transparent, uh, you know, walls, so the spectators can, you know, can see the players <laughs> playing against each other. So that's, I guess, to make it more interesting for a lot of people and also TV spectators too, I guess. Yeah, the um, the glass courts I think are one of the distinctive features of the sport of squash that we can build a glass an all glass court anywhere and you can watch through any of the four walls. Um so the players the glass is designed such that the players can't they can see out but not as well as so they're semi-transparent not as well as the the, the spectators can see in the facility for the Asian Games. and it looks absolutely fantastic with the number of glass courts that they that the Asian Games have have erected and that that's going to be a really fantastic spectacle yeah that's about uh, you know China or Chinese cities hosting uh, international games uh, you know speak of that you know after the 2008 summer olympic games in beijing last year we had this uh, winter olympics in beijing and then not that long ago there's uh, i think the world university games in chengdu in southwestern part of china and now we have this hangzhou you know asian games uh, again in china uh, so i wonder what do you make of this uh, you know chinese ability you know chinese city's ability to host 
uh, international games. Uh, it seems like China is uh, is ready, you know, to host basically games at different uh, different scale, different levels. Well, you do multi-sport games and championships so well in China, and uh, we, we should actually have held the World University Squash Championships in Shanghai in 2020. However, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, that didn't take place. But but you know, we'd love to, for example, bring a World University Championships to to China, and also our World Championships. Be very keen to bring World Championships because we know we know that Chinese um, host events extremely well. And I think the facility in Hangzhou is going to be an example of that. And hopefully those courts that are that are built in that centre can then be used elsewhere. They'll be part of the legacy, we hope, for, for Chinese squash, because they can be located elsewhere in China and used for other events, because the glass court can be put in all kinds of iconic locations. Um, in cities, it's been put in front of the pyramids, it's been put in Grand Central Station, there are lots of really iconic uh, venues. It was put on the top of a hotel in, in Hong Kong. So, you know, I think there's a real opportunity there to do something very creative with squash in China in future and using the, the legacy of these courts um, in order to host them. Let's have a short break. We'll be back right after this. With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes! 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3, wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. The Chinese team began to participate in squash since the Asian Games in Busan, uh, South Korea, 2002, basically 20 years ago. It's a rather uh, short period of time, let's say. I mean, the game is mostly played in big cities like Beijing, Shanghai. As we mentioned, you know, Shanghai was to host its university squash championship. What do you think of the potential of China in terms of uh, you know, squash? Uh, do you think you know the games you know hosted by Hangzhou or you know potentially by Shanghai that will help uh, promote the games to to the mass to the public? Oh, absolutely! It's a real opportunity for the sport. I think it fits. It it particularly fits some um, young people. Um, you, it, it's a great fun sport for young people. And you know, I've worked in the university sector in the UK for many years, and you know, we we would host big squash events and we would see. Chinese students down very, very interested and wanting to play. And I think it's a very attractive sport for young people. So I, I hope that they're giving it more exposure through events like the the Asian Games will will really boost participation and interest in the sport because it is a, it is a great fun sport. And, um, you know, the more courts we have, the more accessible it will become for young people. 
Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, what, what a suggestion do you have for the Chinese side, you know, in order to probably, I guess, promote the game, not only in terms of a professional level, but also for recreational purpose, you know, to get the public to have uh, the chance, the access probably, uh, to play the game, I mean, really play the game. Yes, I think it, need, it, needs, it needs promotion. I think it needs um, a number of uh, programs for young people, either working with schools or colleges or universities, to introduce them to the game, um, to give it as much media exposure as possible and then to ensure that we have the right people within the clubs and the venues, whether coaches or facilitators or people who can help people play. So I think, you know, all, all of that, it's a case of promoting it um, for young people and making sure that, making sure more than anything that they have fun, they have fun playing it and, and making sure that they've got the right people to support them and help them in how to play the game. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, slow, you know, some, some competitions as well, fun competitions to enable people to meet other players and, yes. and just enjoy playing. And also, yes, I mean, for those, uh, for those people who, who are busy and, uh, you know, who are short of time, 40 minutes, <laughs> that's a strong feature. And for your fitness. It does. Yeah. It does. It fits into the day very well. Yeah. And earlier you mentioned about, uh, you know, making squash into Olympics. Obviously, squash has yet to, made it, to make it into Olympics. Uh, uh, tell us more about that. You know, obviously, I think the goal is clear. That is to make it into Olympics. But you know, where are we now? Yeah, I mean, squash has sat on the edge of becoming Olympic for for some time, maybe twenty years. What that what that's done is it's driven the sport. It's driven the sport to become more innovative in terms of making changes and making the sport more exciting. So constantly looking for ways in which we can enhance the game, whether that's at the top of the game or, or for the participants. And certainly the PSA Tour, the professional tour, has developed hugely. Now that's our shop window. That's where we get most publicity and most, most exposure. And that has grown significantly in terms of prize money, in terms of numbers of players, but also in terms of how technology is being used, the development of the glass court, the development of lighting, the development of how of how the sport is um, is covered, is televised with with seven camera angles, glass floors. Um, there's a lot of technology now, and probably a lot more to come as well. So I mm. think the the way that the sport is televised now, compared with, for example, even ten years ago, is a fundamental change. Okay, you know, focusing on the Olympic baiting, uh, you know, what would you do, you know, as the president of the World uh, Squash Federation to boost the chance of becoming part of the Olympic game? Well, we, we, work, in, we work in collaboration, the, the, the World Squash Federation with the PSA, the professional tour, and for example, with the LA28 bid, which it's no secret that we're part of, we're on the shortlist for LA28 of one of the nine sports. And we're working very closely also with US Squash in order to ensure that, you know, we, we're as far as possible adding value, um, offering to add value into the LA Olympics uh, whilst making it as attractive as possible and as low cost. You know, we are a small sport, we're a small footprint. We're not, we're not a costly sport. So we're, um, yeah, we're still optimistic. The decision hopefully will, I think, be made in the next few weeks. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're optimistic that because of our progress and the innovation and the way we've um, focused on developing the sport, that, um, that we still hold a, a good chance. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you, you talked about uh, earlier the new technologies that can help grow squash. Tell us more about that. Yeah, um, we have technologies um, such as assisting with with coaching. We have what we call an interactive front wall, which is where the front wall of the squash court becomes a giant iPad, touch sensitive. So when you hit it, hit a ball against it, it it reacts like a as you would with a with a an iPad in touchpad, and that's fantastic for both coaching high level players, but also great fun for young people. So there's there's aspects such as that. There's a lot of coaching tips that you can now have online without having to actually physically employ a coach. We also have now the development of our world ratings for all players, so they can understand where they sit in terms of their ratings from absolute beginner players right up to the world class players, and that will be a global rating. So there's there's lots of ways in which we can use technology.、Um, we're developing a new suite of balls. As well, which is so we have the ball that's super slow for the for the professional players, but we have bouncier balls that are easier to play with for the beginner players. So there are lots of ways in which which we can use technology. But we've also developed a an e-sport, which is a, a, a digital where you can you can play a virtual reality game, and that's、uh, that's in development as well. Yeah, that's what、so、I'm going to ask you. Yeah, e-sport and、uh, with you know you can play、uh, squash basically in front of your screen.、Uh, that would be interesting too for young people, I guess. Yes, yes, and that that's a direction in which we we're also travelling,、um, also, and how we can connect the physical game with e-sport. Yes, any plan you know to further promote、uh, the game, you know, the sport, especially for the young people around the world. Yeah, we have.、Um, I mean, we already have a very uh, well-developed uh, junior competition program at national level, at continental level, and 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 globally.、Um, and certainly at continental level, there are, there are.、Um, I think Asia and Europe lead the way in terms of the number of junior events they have, from under nineteens, under seventeens, under fifteens, under thirteens, under elevens, and some are even starting at under nines. If you take, for example, the British Junior Open is one of thirty-one European circuit junior circuit events throughout the year, and and Asia is 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 very similar. Maybe not quite so many, but it, but there are an awful lot of junior junior players playing through national events, continental events, and、uh, and into world championships.、Mm-hmm. What would you you know、uh, suggest for the beginners of a squash? You know, in playing in the real world. Yeah, there are、um, there are a number of apps out there that are developing, and you can access to learn how to play, and also some basic coaching tips. So that they are they are growing, and we're not we're not as w, as World Squash Federation we're not attempting to control that or, or 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 even to govern it because there are lots of entrepreneurs out there, squash enthusiasts who are also entrepreneurs. Um, who have provided those kind of apps and and the resources out there that people can access? Do you say you know it's easy to you know pick up and play, or relatively challenging for people to play? It's、um, it's quite easy to pick up and play, provided that you use the right equipment. And one of the challenges that that we that we sometimes have to address is that players, when they start, may look to see what the professionals play with, and they'll pick up a double yellow dot. Which is a super slow, and we have a we have a global campaign about to run again at the moment to say it's important that you use the right ball. And if you use 
the red dot or the blue dot, which is very bouncy, you will be able to play a lot easier. It will be much easier because the ball bounces a lot better. And I think then people will have great fun and they can play. They can play at quite a low level because, of course, the ball bounces back to them. Um, so it makes it relatively easy. We also have um, a, um, a sport, a discipline called Squash 57, which is played with a shorter handle, bigger head, larger headed racket, a shorter handle racket and a, and a larger bouncier ball. And that, again, is, is, an easier, is an easier discipline to play with and very good for, for beginners and for players at the end who are, who are maybe a bit older and want an easier game. It's very, very good for fitness, but it's not quite as demanding, quite as fast and demanding on the joints. So there are lots of different bats and balls that for squash that are all part of the squash family that people can pick up and play with. And, uh, you know, I, I'm generally, I've been a squash player, but I've also played squash 57 and it is great fun. Really <laughs> great, great fun. fun. It sounds and, very, and, and, yeah, yeah, really, really easy to play, you know, yeah. really easy to play. Yes. Oh, well, back to the Asian Games, you know, what teams or maybe individuals even uh, do you recommend uh, to our viewers to follow? Well, there's some very good, I mean, the very best play Asian players are playing in both the team event and that it will start with the team event, um, men's team championships and women's team championships. And, you know, that's... It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be very competitive. Um, India are the number one seeds in the men. In the women's, it's Hong Kong, and I think in the women's team championship, I think it will be Hong Kong and Malaysia who will be battling it out. But then we've got India and Japan as the three four seeds. So I think that's going to be there's going to be some really fantastic squash there. And in the men's, it's going to be um, India as the number one seeds. So they'll be they'll be looking to uh, to win that title again. And um, so that's a team event that will start with a team event. And then for the second half, it will be the players, those players who played in the team event can choose either to play in the individual event or the mixed doubles. So so the second week will be either or. Yeah, the individual event, again, is going to be a very competitive, a very competitive event. And again, I think there's going to be uh, India, Malaysia, Hong Kong will be featuring very strongly, although the women's number one seed is from Japan. So I think that uh, Satomi Watanabe is is going to be the number one seed. Now, she is quite distinctly the number one seed, but actually she's not actually necessarily shown her form so far this year, although it's early. So that, again, uh, Tomato from, from Hong Kong could give her a good run. And in the men's championship, it's uh, Ain Yao Ung from, from Malaysia, who's the number one seed, who will be playing... Saurav Gosel, who is extremely experienced and probably at the end of his career, and he's going to be really, he's been really training hard to win this this championship. And uh, so that's going to be, again, a very interesting. It's going to be very, very competitive. There's going to be some great squash, but there's also plenty of variety with the team event, individual event and mixed doubles. So there's plenty of variety there to see with different dynamics for each one of those. Yeah, plenty to see. Very useful information. Thank you, Zina. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for speaking with us. With that, we come to the end for today's show. Many thanks to our guest, Zina Woodridge. You can also find us on the CGTN app or on YouTube. I'm Xu Qingdo. Thanks for being with us. See you next time. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. 
subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. 